0: Hello, my fellow believers, and welcome into episode number 28 of Combat Bets on the Believe Network, presented by betonline.ag. Thank you so much for joining me on another great episode. This episode, just so my listeners know, will be focused on boxing. If you want to listen to my UFC podcast and more about MMA, That'll most likely be my next episode, so tune in for that. But for this episode, I'm going to be focusing on the great sport of boxing. We've recently had some pretty big fights that have happened. All four belts were on the line in a 140-pound clash between Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. And also we had Canelo Alvarez fighting Billy Joe Saunders. So stay tuned for those recaps. little bit later in the episode. But to begin I wanted to touch on what's going on between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. So for a few days there the boxing world finally got what it wanted which was the fight between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. But then guess what happened? Uh, I believe one of the boxing commissions stepped in and said no you have to fight Deontay Wilder by September, I believe, and so now instead of Tyson Fury taking on Anthony Joshua, he's going to be fighting Deontay Wilder for a third time, and then I believe Anthony Joshua will be stepping in the ring against the very skilled Ukrainian heavyweight in Alexander Usyk, the former cruiserweight champion, one of the best cruiserweights ever, now he's moved up to heavyweight, and this is going to be his biggest test yet going in there against Anthony Joshua. But guess what? Neither of these fights are easy for either uh, Tyson Fury or Anthony Joshua because uh, the fight uh, against Wilder for a third time, which I believe will be happening sometime in July, I believe is the tentative uh, date scheduled for that fight. And uh, what I'm saying here is that Deontay Wilder perhaps has the most powerful right hand in the history of boxing, You look at his knockouts against skilled boxers like Dominic Brazil and Luis Ortiz. Even when he knocked down uh, Tyson Fury in the 12th round to get a draw in their first fight, you just saw that unreal power that Deontay Wilder is always capable of unleashing. And so this is a very dangerous fight for Tyson Fury. I know he dominated Deontay Wilder in their rematch and uh, got him out of there in seven rounds. But anything can happen in boxing, as we've seen before. It uh, just takes one punch, especially with a guy as powerful as Deontay Wilder. So Tyson Fury is definitely going to have to be on his game in that fight and come out the victor if he ever hopes of fighting Anthony Joshua. And then on the other side, we've got Anthony Joshua taking on Alexander Usyk. And Usyk has a great chance of getting the win against Joshua. Usyk is a very skilled boxer. He moves around a lot, uh, has very good footwork, uh, is very fast for heavyweight because he's not really a natural heavyweight, more of a natural cruiserweight. I've heard some people refer to him as the heavyweight Vasily Lomachenko. Both Lomachenko and Usyk are Ukrainian boxers. And they both utilize excellent footwork and defense to flummox their opponents and uh, come out better on uh, the other end of the fight. But for this fight, Anthony Joshua has shown before against Andy Ruiz Jr. that he can have a bad night in the ring and end up losing that fight. Now, if I were picking these two fights right now, I would pick Tyson Fury to beat Deontay Wilder. I'll say another knockout. I'll say uh, Tyson Fury by a uh, 9th round TKO. And then if I was picking the Anthony joshua Alexander Usyk fight, I would actually take Usyk to win by, I'll say, split decision. I just think it's a very tricky fight for Anthony Joshua. And Usyk is very good at getting out of range, very defensively skilled, and he's only getting better and better in each uh Time he fights in the heavyweight division. Before we saw him fight against Derek Chisora, a very tough guy that likes to come forward and push the pace and really be in your face. And Alexander Usyk did a pretty good job of kind of you know keeping him at bay and winning that fight behind his jab and excellent uh, overall boxing fundamentals. So I could definitely see Usyk pulling the upset of Anthony Joshua. And if that happens, then we wouldn't get that dream matchup of Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury. And now a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. BetOnline, the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website, BetOnline.ag. Use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Now, getting back to Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury uh, and just the state of boxing, really, I don't really get what boxing is doing here because one of the biggest fights that can be made is between Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury. For the undisputed heavyweight title. The winner would hold all four belts. But once again, boxing shoots itself in the foot and decides no, 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 we can't let that fight happen next. We've got to have Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury fight again for a third time just because it's in their rematch clause of their contract. Now, I believe uh, if boxing really wanted to do what was best for the sport, they would have allowed Tyson Fury and Anthony Joshua to fight each other because they already had a deal in place and it was finally agreed to with where the fight was going to be held, how much money both fighters were going to make, and so on and so forth. However, boxing just had to step in and say, no, Tyson Fury, you've got to fight Deontay Wilder next or else you get fined or maybe you get banned from boxing. So it looks like Tyson Fury is going to knock out Deontay Wilder and then maybe he'll face Anthony Joshua or Alexander Usyk in his next fight depending on who wins that. And that's really a pick and fight. Usyk could definitely get the upset. He's got the skills and the defensive instincts and the footwork to do it. And Anthony Joshua, he's uh, maybe not the same fighter after his lost Andy Ruiz Jr. He looked pretty good in the Kubrat-Pulev fight. But then again, Pulev is an older fighter. And Anthony Joshua should have got through him with no problem. And he pretty much did that. Looked really good in that fight. And hopefully he's on the upward swing. As he's going to really need a great performance uh, to get past Usyk. And I think boxing needs more of this. They need more undisputed champions. Because it's easier for fans uh, and followers of the sport to say, okay, that guy is clearly the best in the division because he's got all four belts, and we just saw this happen between Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez. Josh Taylor is a Scotsman, and uh, Jose Ramirez grew up in Riverside, California. He's a Mexican American, and uh, both these guys held two belts going into the fight, and this was for uh, the undisputed, uh, you know, title. The winner would hold all four belts after this fight. And this was a very close fight. Going into the fight, I thought Josh Taylor would win because of his work rate, his speed, his power, and really his steely determination to just get in there and get the job done. This fight happened last Saturday on May 22nd from Las Vegas. And the main event featured Jose Ramirez... Ramirez held the WBC and WBO titles. And Taylor held the WBA and IBF titles in the 140-pound division. And this has got to be one of the biggest moments in Scottish sporting history to have an undisputed boxing champion hailing from Scotland. I put it up right up there with uh, Ken Buchanan, a former boxer that also became a champion in heavyweight, also a Scotsman but this is definitely a great moment for the country of Scotland and you've just got to give a lot of credit to Josh Taylor for always pushing through and getting through tough opponents like Regis Progress in the past and now facing his toughest test yet and going in there against Jose Ramirez and this was a very close fight as uh, Josh Taylor won on all three judges scorecards 114 to 112. I definitely think it warrants a rematch. There were great ebbs and flows to this fight. I thought Jose Ramirez started out really strong, winning the first couple of rounds. And then Josh Taylor really started to come on uh, starting in that fifth round. And then in the sixth and seventh rounds, he was able to get two crucial knockdowns. And I believe without those knockdowns, that Jose Ramirez would have most likely won that fight because it was so close on the judges' scorecards. I mean, Josh Taylor got two knockdowns and he only won 114-112. to 112. So I think that Jose Ramirez can clean up the mistakes that led to those knockdowns. The first one was a beautiful counter left, a uh, straight left that Jose Ramirez just didn't see coming as he was coming forward and that put him down. The second one... Uh, was a beautiful uppercut, a left uppercut landed by Josh Taylor. And Jose Ramirez really committed one of the cardinal cardinal sins in boxing. You do not, when you're backing out, out of the pocket, out of close range, you don't back up straight and you don't back up with your hands down. And that's what Jose Ramirez did. He backed up straight and with his hands down and the result of that was a beautiful left uppercut landed by Josh Taylor that sat Jose Ramirez down on the canvas, and that really cemented the win for Josh Taylor. And after that second knockdown, I didn't think Jose Ramirez had the same pop in his punches. He didn't look as dangerous when he was coming forward, and Josh Taylor did a good job of uh, you know utilizing pretty good defense to come out with the win uh, on the other end. But by no means are these guys the most skilled boxers. But it just shows you a great heart, a great work rate can get you in this sport. And that's exactly what both these guys have. They can both improve their skill level and uh, their boxing techniques to really uh, achieve a higher level in the sport. But you got to give a lot of credit to these two guys. Because most boxers aren't willing to risk what these two men put on the line. They're willing to put their two belts each on the line to determine an undisputed champion. And that's what boxing needs more of. We need more fights to determine who's the undisputed champion in their respective division. And I just got to commend both these men for putting on a great fight, number one. And number two, giving us an undisputed champion in the 140-pound division. Unfortunately for Josh Taylor, when he was en route, from Las Vegas back to uh, the UK to Scotland. Unfortunately, his belts were lost. Uh, I believe he said they were somewhere in Dallas. Hopefully, he can be reunited with his four belts soon. But right now, Josh Taylor has just got to be the happiest man in the world. And he's finally accomplished his lifelong dream of becoming one of the few undisputed champions in boxing today and really in the history of the sport. Right now, I believe he's the only undisputed champion. Let's uh, check out the champions in all the divisions. So in the heavyweight division, Anthony Joshua holds three belts, and Tyson Fury holds the WBC belt. And in cruiserweight, at 200 pounds, we've got Lawrence O'Coley holding the WBO belt, Marius Bradis, the IBF, Arson Gulderman, the WBA, and Ilgun Uh, Makuba the WBC. I don't know who the last two fighters are but I know who Marius Bratis is and Lawrence O'Coley. and I've just got to tell you uh, Lawrence O'Coley's story really quick here. He's a guy that I believe was working in McDonald's and he just had this dream of becoming a fighter. He kind of fell into boxing a little bit later in life but he's one of the most promising boxers in all of Uh, the sport and I believe he's on his way to becoming perhaps the undisputed cruiserweight champion I really want to see him fight Marius Bratis next Uh, Lawrence Acoli is a guy with a very long reach I believe he won his last fight by knockout and he's just a very promising fighter because of his long reach and his power and he's got a really good jab as well so he's already got pretty good boxing fundamentals Combine that with innate physical gifts, a good jab, and really great power. And you've got the recipe of a future star in the sport. And I think Lawrence Acoli will only get bigger and bigger as time goes on. Uh, Let me look up who he fought last. So Lawrence Acoli is British, and he's 28 years old. And his last fight came in March of 2021. They knocked out Christoph uh, Glowacki by KO in the 6th round. And he won the vacant WBO Cruiserweight title in that fight. His record right now is 16-0. So he hasn't been fighting for that long. But at 20 years old, he's really in the prime of his career. And like I said, the next fight I want to see him is against Marius Bradis. And perhaps one day he could become the undisputed cruiserweight champion of the world. So watch out for Lawrence Akoli because I believe he's a future star in the sport. Now let's move on to light heavyweight at 175 pounds. The WBO we've got Joe Smith Jr., IBF Archer Betterbiev, WBA Dmitry Bivol, and also the WBC held by Archer Betterbiev. And this is really one of the strongest divisions in all of boxing. You've got a guy like e- Editor Alvarez, who's uh, fought guys like Sergei Kovalev even beat him, but then lost to him in their rematch. And he's not one of, even one of the champions in that division. But I believe the best uh, fighter in that division is Artur Beterbiev, And I've long been calling for an all-Russian matchup between Dmitry Bival and better Betterbeev, And then the winner of that fight would hold three belts. And then maybe you have Betterbeev fight Joe Smith Jr. next. And uh, the story of Joe Smith Jr., the WBO champion at 175 pounds, is really one of the American dream. He's this construction worker, I believe, from Long Island, New York. And he just kind of fell into boxing as a hobby to start out with but then he started you know, knocking out everyone in the gym and uh, training really hard, and now he's a world champion in the 175 pound division. And with a name like Joe Smith Jr., that's really like one of the most common names that someone can have, but let me tell you, Joe Smith Jr. is no common fighter. He's got a lot of grit to him, a great work rate, pretty good knockout power, and each time he stepped up in competition, He's risen to the occasion and came out, you know, the victor. And Joe Smith Jr. really came uh, to boxing prominence when he knocked out the legend Bernard Hopkins in the eighth round. And that was back in December of 2016. And ever since then, he's really been on the up and up. However, he followed up that with the unanimous decision loss to Sullivan Barrera. Then he uh, knocked out Melvin Russell in one round. He lost a unanimous decision to Dmitry Bival back in 2019, then a split decision win over Jesse Hart, a big KO win over Eloder Alvarez, who I mentioned previously as he beat Sergey Kovalev, and his most recent fight was a majority decision win over Maxine Vlasov back on April 10th of 2021 when he won the vacant WBO light heavyweight title and achieved his lifelong dream of becoming a world champion now uh he's already fought Dimitri Bivol back in 2019 and lost to him by unanimous decision so this shows me that he was able to get in there and uh you know last the whole fight against a very skilled boxer in Bivol so maybe you do a rematch between Bivol and Joe Smith Jr and then the winner of that fight uh Goes up against Artur Beturbio to really get a true undisputed champion in the 175 pound division. I would really love to see that. And in my opinion, thus far uh, in the year of 2021, my pick for fight of the year is that uh, WBO light heavyweight title fight between Joe Smith Jr. and Maxime Vlasov. Maxime Vlasov, i had never seen him fight before, but he's a Russian light heavyweight, and he came in there not wanting to lose against Joe Smith Jr. It was a great back-and-forth fight with some really nice ebbs and flows to it. One round, Joe Smith Jr. would win. The next round, Maxim Vlazov would win. If you haven't watched that fight, I really recommend going back and watching it. Like I said, I think it's the fight of the year thus far in 2021. Really just nonstop action. Both these guys showed amazing stamina to keep up that pace for the full 12 rounds. And I would definitely love to see a rematch between Vlasov and Joe Smith Jr. But if that doesn't happen, as I said, I want to see Joe Smith Jr. Uh, do a rematch against Dmitry Bival. And then the winner of that fight Artur Baderbio to determine und- undisputed mm-hmm. champion in the 175-pound division. And Joe Smith Jr., he really just fights with that workmanlike approach. He's not the most skilled boxer, not the most defensively sound, but he punches a lot. He's got decent power, and he just kind of bites on his mouthpiece and really goes for it. And it's worked really well for him thus far. I mean, he's a world champion, and he gave us the best fight in 2021 uh, against Maxim Vlasov. And for Vlasov, I definitely want to see him back in the ring again. I mean, he really impressed me with how he was able to take the punches of Joe Smith Jr., also avoid some of the punches with pretty good defense and land some pretty powerful uh, counter punches on Joe Smith Jr. So maybe you have Maxine Vlasov uh, matchup against Elder Alvarez, but it was definitely a star-making performance for both fighters. And I can't wait to see uh, where they go from here. And like I was saying before, the light heavyweight division has some very amazing fighters in it. I know Canelo Alvarez has, you know, talked about maybe moving up to 175 pounds and challenging uh, Archer Betterbeev. I would love to see that fight because Betterbeev is the naturally bigger fighter. Uh, Canelo Alvarez is uh, pretty small. He's really a natural. Uh, 160 pounder right now he is campaigning at 168 pounds so we'll see if Canil Alvarez does take that risk and moves up to fight uh, Arthur Beterbiev but right now as I said before I believe Beterbiev is the best fighter in the 175 pound division he just hasn't uh, had those fights against Bivol and Joe Smith Jr. to prove it but hopefully that happens in the coming months. Now, moving on to the 168-pound division, which Canelo Alvarez has really taken over, even though, as I said, he's really a natural 160-pounder. Canelo Alvarez holds three belts, and Caleb Plant holds the other belt, the IBF belt. And I think that's going to be the next fight for Alvarez, will be Canelo Alvarez against Caleb Plant. And then after that fight, we will get an undisputed champion in the 168-pound division, So that's really great for boxing to have another undisputed champion along with Josh Taylor. And now I'm gonna go ahead and recap Canelo's most recent fight against Billy Joe Saunders. This fight happened on May 8th from the AT&T Stadium in Arlington, Texas before I believe over 70,000 fans. It really was an amazing spectacle to watch. The atmosphere in there, The two fighters coming into the ring, a very, you know, glorious ring walk with a lot of ceremony. Canelo Alvarez had, you know, the Mexican dancers out there. It was really quite the event uh, right around Cinco de Mayo weekend happening on May 8th. So it's really great moment for all Mexican sports fans and the country of Mexico. And with this win over Billy Joe Saunders, a British boxer, Canel Alvarez won the WBO super middleweight title. Uh, Now he has three of the four belts, and I believe his next fight will be against Caleb Plant to fully unify that 168-pound division. But this was a very close fight, of course, before uh, that eighth round corner stoppage but before that and in the middle rounds I thought Billy really Joe Saunders was having a lot of success even winning some of those rounds against Canelo Alvarez really flummoxing him with his kind of unorthodox style able to move in and out of range and you know land effective punches on the inside with uh, some beautiful straight lefts uh, you know some hooks And really just make Alvarez kind of fight off balance. And he wasn't able to really have a lot of success in those middle rounds. And I thought he did a pretty good job of also working the body of Canelo. Really keeping him off balance. And not able to get into that offensive rhythm that we see uh, Canelo likes to fight in. So got to give a lot of credit to Billy Joe Saunders there. But then when that 8th round started, it just seemed like Canelo flipped a switch and he was about to finish this guy, which is indeed what happened. He broke Billy Joe Saunders' face. He broke his eye socket. He cracked his cheek in that 8th round with a beautifully timed, I believe it was a right uppercut that Billy Joe Saunders did not see coming. And give credit to Joe Saunders. Uh... For not going down. After that beautiful uppercut, he stayed upright the rest of the round, but Canelo continued to land punch after punch. And in between uh, landing those punches, he was raising his hands above his head and uh, cheering like he had already won. And I was saying, hey, don't celebrate too early, this fight's not over yet. But Canelo knew something that I didn't know. He knew that it was over because He probably heard the crack uh, under the weight of his punch uh, after he broke Billy Joe's eye socket, and he knew he couldn't come out after, uh, you know, for the next round because of that injury. And you never want to see a big fight like this end with an injury. You want to see either a great knockout or a go to decision. But unfortunately, Billy Joe Saunders could not continue. And Canelo knew uh, it was already the end of the fight. So once again an amazing uh, finishing kick from Canelo there in that 8th round. But previous to that I got to give a lot of credit to Billy Joe Saunders. For the way he fought. And how he kind of kept uh, Canelo off balance with that unorthodox style. And maybe Caleb Plant is watching that fight. And thinking of ways that he can employ some of those tactics to try and beat the great Canelo Alvarez and I would actually consider Billy Joe Saunders uh, Canelo's best opponent since he fought Gennady Golovkin all the way uh, back in uh, 2018 so three years later he gets another challenge against Billy Joe Saunders and comes through it with flying colors and the uh, legend of Canelo Alvarez just continues to grow I mean, you look at who he's been in the past, Arislandi Lara, Miguel Cotto, Amir Khan, Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., Gennady Golovkin, controversially, Rocky Fielding, by knockout Daniel Jacobs, Sergei Kovalev by knockout, Callum Smith by unanimous decision, Avni Yildirim by third round uh, corner stoppage, and Billy Joe Saunders also by eighth round corner stoppage, so this guy just keeps getting better and better in each fight. And, I, and before too long, he's going to become the undisputed champion at 168 pounds after he beats Caleb Plant. And then after he beats Caleb Plant, most likely, I could see Canelo Alvarez moving up to 175 pounds in challenging Archer Baderbiev, who hopefully by that time will become the undisputed champion at 175 pounds. Wouldn't that be amazing if Canel Alvarez becomes the undisputed champion at 168 pounds? He goes up to 175 pounds, fights the possible undisputed champion in that weight division, and beats him. That would really make him one of the best boxers in the history of the sport if he's not already there. But, of course, the fight that boxing fans are still holding out, hope for, is perhaps a trilogy fight against... Gennady Golovkin so we'll see if that happens but right now that's where I see Canelo's trajectory being first taking on Caleb Plant and then maybe in his next fight taking on Ardor Betterbeev. we'll see if Canelo wants those challenges but to me he's not a guy that ever backs down from a challenge I mean he took on Floyd Mayweather Jr. I believe when Canelo Alvarez was only 23 years old he took on a much bigger Sergey Kovalev and knocked him out He took on a bigger Calum Smith and uh, injured his tricep, really messed him up in there, and won by unanimous decision. So Canelo Alvarez is never one to back down from a challenge, and I can't wait to see him fight again. And it's so great to see him fight more often, because remember last year uh, with uh, negotiations with zone, for a long time he uh, wasn't fighting because of that, but now we see him uh, much more active and it's really good for the sport of boxing when you see the best athletes in the sport uh, fighting on a more regular basis. Hint hint Terrence Crawford I'm talking to you we got to see you back in the ring soon. Your uh, Perhaps your future opponent Errol Spence Jr. already has a fight lined up against Manny Pacquiao. Terrence Crawford who are you fighting next? And now in honor of Canel Alvarez and Terrence Crawford, I wanted to come up with a list, and this is just my opinion. You can agree or disagree with it. But these are the 10 athletes in sports right now that I would consider the 10 best. And since this is a combat sports podcast, I'll start out with the fighters. And I'll start out by saying that of course, Khabib Nurmagomedov would be on my top 10 list if he was still an active fighter. However, for the time being, he is retired, so I cannot include him on my top 10 list. But let's start in MMA. My two MMA fighters are Francis Ngannou and Kamara Usman. From boxing, I've got Terrence Crawford and Canelo Alvarez. From soccer, Robert Lewandowski otherwise known as Robert Levangolski, Kevin De Bruyne, and Lionel Messi. From basketball, uh, I've got LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo, and from tennis, the great Novak Djokovic. Now, you don't have have to agree with my list, but I just thought I'd put it out there as a celebration of what both Canelo and Terence Crawford have reached in the sport of boxing. And some of you may know, some of you may not know, but I am a Manchester City supporter and they've already won the Premier League this year and coming up this Saturday, we've got the big Champions League final between Manchester City and Chelsea. And Kevin De Bruyne has been absolutely instrumental in this dominant season by Manchester City. I believe he's been their best player uh, week in, week out, supplemented by the likes of Rijad Mares, Phil Foden, Bernardo Silva, and then in defense we've got the amazing Ruben Diaz who's really looking like one of the best defenders in the world, but the guy that really makes it all go and kind of connects all the pieces is the amazing midfielder Kevin De Bruyne. He can pick out a pass, he can make a free kick goal, he can even score goals, spectacular goals, Sometimes this guy's really a jack-of-all-trades and that's why he made my top 10 list and uh, he just continues to get better and better and I can't wait to watch uh, this Champions League final. Hopefully Man City can get the job done and win both the Premier League and also the Champions League. So we'll see what happens there but an amazing season by Manchester City thus far. And in honor of Manchester City, I've just got to give it up. For Sergio Kuhn Aguero, one of the best strikers in the history of the Premier League. At the end of this season, he'll be leaving Manchester City and most likely going to Barcelona. So I just have to say thank you, Aguero, for all you've given us Man City fans. The amazing goal against uh, QPR to win the Premier League all those years ago. And uh, all the amazing goals we've seen from you The amazing play. And uh, I just want to say thank you, Aguero, for all you've done for Man City and all you've done for the Premier League. And best of luck in Barcelona. And in Aguero's final Premier League game against Everton, he came on as a sub and scored two goals in a beautiful 5-0 victory for Manchester City. One was a header. The other was, I believe, a pretty cheeky toe poke. In the corner that really surprised the goalkeeper and Aguero finished his final Premier League in spectacular fashion and hopefully he makes an appearance in the Champions League final we'll see how Pep Guardiola uses him now getting back into boxing let's move on to the 160 pound division middleweight the W.O. champion is Demetrius Andrade IBF Gennady Glovkin WBA, Ryoto, Murata, and WBC, Jermal Charlo. This middleweight division is absolutely stacked with quality fighters. And of course, the dream matchup in that division would be a rematch between Gennady Golovkin and Canil Alvarez. But if that fight doesn't happen, then I would love to see Gennady Golovkin get in there against Jermal Charlo. However, Charlo already has... His next fight scheduled, uh, and it's unfortunately not against Gennady Golovkin. He will be fighting Juan Macias Montiel on June 19th from Houston, Texas, where he'll be defending his WBC middleweight title. Assuming he gets past that fight, as I said, I'd love to see him take on Gennady Golovkin. I think that would be a huge fight in the middleweight division. And I think it could go either way because I thought Jamal Charlo looked very impressive against Sergei Dervinchenko. Dervinchenko has now fought both Golovkin and Charlo. And I definitely thought that Charlo looked better in there against uh, Dervinchenko than Golovkin did when he fought him. Golovkin really seemed to kind of struggle with the pressure of Dervinchenko a lot of people thought that Derynchenko might have actually won that fight. However, he lost, I believe, by split decision. The fight against Jamal Charlo was not nearly as close. Charlo really dominated from start to finish with a very powerful jab and uh, you know powerful straight right. That really pushed Derynchenko back and didn't allow him to utilize his forward pressure that he's so well known for. So we'll see what happens in that division. And then as for the other two belt holders in that division, which would of course be Demetrius Andrade and Ryoto Murata, maybe those two fight each other. That would be a really great fight as well. And speaking of Demetrius Andrade, I really don't like what he did in the press conference following the Alvarez-Billy Joe Saunders fight. He called out Canelo Alvarez saying he's scared to fight him. And it's really not the time or the place to do that. And it really wasn't a good look for Demetrius Andrade. And I don't think it helps his career at all. In fact, I think it hurts it. And it hurts his chances of getting those big fights that he really wants to prove that he is truly a top boxer in the sport. But maybe we see Demetrius Andrade taking on Charlo, or Murata, one of the other belt holders, to really cement his status as a great boxer. And in Demetrius Andrade's last fight against Liam Williams, he looked pretty good, but I thought he should have got Liam Williams out of there, considering the gap in skill level of both fighters. I thought Andrade should have had more success in there and gone the knockout. Nonetheless, he won by unanimous decision against a very tough fighter in Liam Williams who showed great grit and determination to really try to push the pace and uh, try to get that knockout against Andrade. However, Andrade has excellent defensive instincts. He's very tough to hit. And he's not really the most exciting boxer to watch either. Some of his fights can be kind of boring because of his defensive instincts and his unorthodox style. That's why a lot of boxers actually don't want to fight him because he's so hard to prepare for and he's very difficult uh, to hit or to put on an exciting fight with. So that's kind of the double-edged sword that is Demetrius Andrade. He's a great boxer, but he's also not very exciting and he's not really a guy that goes for the knockout. He's fine to coast for a decision win and uh, see how it goes from there. So we'll see what happens in that 160-pound division. But right now, it looks a long way off from being unified with four different belt holders in that division. But of course, like I said, the biggest fight that you can make right now between the belt holders would be Jamal Charlo taking on Gennady Glovkin. So hopefully we see that fight. That would be amazing. Now let's move on to junior middleweight at 154 pounds. Right now, the WBO champion is Brian Castano, and the other three belts are held by the other Charlo twin, Jermel Charlo. And guess what, fight fans? On July 17th, 2021, we're finally going to get another undisputed boxing champion, because all four belts will be on the line when Jermel Charlo challenges Brian Castano for a Brian Castano's WBO light middleweight title so this is very exciting for the sport of boxing that we're perhaps going to have another undisputed champion coming up and I like Jermel Charlo in that fight I'm not really too familiar with Brian Castano I'm more familiar with Jermel Charlo he's an amazing boxer maybe a step below his twin Jermel Charlo but he's Soon going to become the man, the undisputed champion at 154 pounds. And I'm sure that was a lifelong dream for him. So I can't wait for that fight and for boxing to have another undisputed champion. So watch out for that fight coming up in the middle of July. Andrew Charlo, he looked really good in his last fight when he uh, was fighting against... Jason Rosario and Rosario was the guy that actually got a big upset win when he knocked out Julian Williams in the fifth round. He parlayed that big win into a huge opportunity against Jermel Charlo. Charlo won the fight with a beautiful body shot right above the waistline that put Jason Rosario down and uh, that was the end of the fight. A really amazing performance from Jermell Charlo. And coming up in July, I believe he will become the undisputed champion at 154 pounds. So it's very good for boxing to have undisputed champions. And it looks like we'll have our second along with Josh Taylor coming up this summer. So we'll see what happens in that junior middleweight division. But it looks like it's going to become Jermell Charlo's in the next few months coming up in July. Now let's look at the welterweight division at 147 pounds. The WBO title holder is the amazing Terrence Crawford. IBF and WBC is held by Errol Spence Jr. and the WBA is held by Dennis Ugas. So Errol Spence Jr. already has his next fight lined up coming up at the end of August against the very talented, very fast, the legendary Manny Pacquiao. Terrence Crawford does not have a fight lined up yet, but why not have Crawford face Yurdenis Ugas next? That way Crawford could hold both the WBO and the WBA titles and then fight the winner of Errol Spence Jr. and Manny Pacquiao. Now I believe that Errol Spence Jr. and Terrence Crawford are destined to meet. I don't think it'll happen in 2021, But hopefully in 2022, we see that fight because the welterweight division absolutely needs that fight and hopefully it happens in the next year. But like I said, Terrence Crawford made my top 10 list of current athletes in the world today because of his amazing boxing skills and he showed against Cal Brook that amazing skill once again when he knocked him out in the fourth round really knocked him back against the ropes and then finished him off with some beautiful and accurate punches to put an end to that fight against a guy in Cal Brook who's a very quality fighter who's been in against the likes of Gennady Glovkin before and lasted longer against Glovkin than he did against Terence Crawford. So hopefully we can get an undisputed champion in the 147-pound division sometime in 2022. And speaking of that Manny Pacquiao, Errol Spence Jr. fight that's coming up in August, it's really a dangerous fight for Errol Spence Jr. I mean, we saw what Manny Pacquiao did against Keith Thurman, the naturally bigger man. But guess what? Pacquiao still has elite speed and timing in there. And even though he's getting older, he seems to continue to defy father time and continue to put on amazing performances in the boxing ring. So we'll see what happens coming up against Errol Spence Jr. I still like Spence Jr. in that fight because of his power and his overall boxing fundamentals. But I could still see Manny Pacquiao somehow pulling off the upset and um, perhaps fighting Terrence Crawford next. Now let's move on to the junior welterweight division at 140 pounds with the only undisputed champion in all of boxing. And that of course is Josh Taylor. Now, after the fight, Josh Taylor says he knows the bigger fights are at 147 pounds and he's eyeing a big matchup against Terrence Crawford. And while Josh Taylor is the undisputed champion at 140 pounds, unfortunately, I think he's a few steps below in terms of skill level of the amazing Terrence Crawford. I don't think he's quite ready for that fight. I think that Josh Taylor should take a few more You know, warm up fights, a few more tuna fights to get ready for that big showdown against Terrence Crawford if it does happen in the future. But for now, he should enjoy being the 140 pound undisputed champion and maybe stay in that weight class for two or three more fights, perhaps do a rematch against Jose Ramirez. Their first fight was very exciting, as I said earlier in the podcast. So I could. See that happening and then eventually Josh Taylor moving up to challenge Terrence Crawford at 147 pounds. Now let's move on to the lightweight division at 135 pounds. Formerly Vasily Lomachenko ruled this division. Then Teofimo Lopez Jr. upset him in one of the great fights of last year. And now he holds three belts. The only belt he doesn't hold is the WBC belt held by Devin Haney. And speaking of Devin Haney, he's actually fighting coming up this Saturday against the very talented and very shifty Jorge Linares. And this is definitely not going to be an easy win for Devin Haney. He's really got to focus and make sure his defense is on point because Jorge Linares is capable of taking advantage of any mistakes in there and pouncing on those opportunities. And Jorge Linares is really quite the experienced boxer. Right now, his record is 47-5 and five going into this fight. And he's really on the back end of his career as he's already 35 years old. So he needs a big win here to continue on and push for bigger fights. And his most recent losses have come to Vasily Lomachenko by 10th round TKO. Pablo Cesar Cano first round TKO back in January of 2019 however he followed that up with two wins one a unanimous decision win over Al Toyogan, and then a KO win over Carlos Morales in the fourth round now this fight against Devin Haney is definitely going to be a test for both fighters I see this being a back-and-forth fight but I still like Devin Haney to win I'll say By split decision. And Haney he's pretty young. He's only 22 years old. So one of the best young boxers in the sport. And in his last fight out. I thought he should have got rid of Yurokis Gamboa sooner. Ended up going to a decision. Really Devin Haney controlled a majority of that fight. And really dominated in route to a unanimous decision victory for him. Against Gamboa, but I thought that he should have been able to get Gamboa out of there before it went to a decision. So after that fight, he really needs to step up his level against Jorge Linares because I think Linares is better than Gamboa and he's really going to have to show excellent boxing fundamentals in there to come out with a big win against Jorge Jorge Linares and perhaps set up a unification bout against Teofimo. Lopez Jr. And Linares, his best opponent that he's ever faced, I would say, is Vasily Lomachenko, and he lost him by 10th round knockout. But for Devin Haney, I would say that Jorge Linares is his toughest opponent to date, and this is really a make or break fight for him early on in his career. Right now, Devin Haney is 25 0, 15 wins by knockout, and 10 by decision. And if he wants to continue his upward trajectory, He's going to have to put on a really impressive performance against Jorge Linares, and I know he's capable of it. Uh, Against Gamboa, he kind of uh, got too comfortable in there, and while he was pushing the pace, he wasn't going 100% going for that knockout, and that's why it went to a decision. Against Linares, it's going to be much more of a calculated fight, much more of a chess match, because both of these guys are very quality boxers, and they both have very good fundamentals. And while Haney does have youth on his side, Linares definitely has experience on his side being in there against some of the best boxers in the division. So this could go either way, but I'm picking Devin Haney by split decision. And Jorge Linares utilizes a good jab along with really good footwork. And Haney is really going to have his hands full trying to get on the inside and trying to land his power punches And if Haney is able to come out the victor of this fight, I'd love to see him take on perhaps Ryan Garcia next, the pretty boy of the division. And if Ryan Garcia wins that fight, then maybe you have the winner of Garcia versus Haney take on Tiafimo Lopez Jr. and have that undisputed champion in the 135-pound division. So we'll see how... This all plays out but a really big fight coming up in that division between Linares and Haney and the winner of that fight sets themselves up for bigger fights in the future. So don't miss that main event coming up this Saturday on May 29th from Las Vegas on Zone. And then also on May 29th on Showtime we've got one of the most exciting boxers in Nonito Donair taking on Nordin Ubali. For Ubali's WBC Bantamweight title. I'm not too familiar with Ubali, but I know that fight between Nonito Donaire and Iowa Anyway was one of the best fights I've ever seen. So, whenever Donaire's fighting, you're going to want to tune in because he is an all action fighter, very exciting, and I can't wait to see uh, what he has in store for us coming up this Saturday. So, don't forget this Saturday, Linares. Versus Haney, big fight in the 135 pound division. And then also Ubali vs. Donaire for Ubali's WBC Bantamweight title on Showtime. So a pretty big weekend coming up in boxing that I'm really looking forward to. And then looking further ahead in the boxing schedule, on June 5th from London, we've got Daniel Dubois taking on Bogdan Dinu 12 rounds for the vacant interim WBA heavyweight title and in his last fight out Daniel Dubois actually lost to Joe Joyce because he couldn't see out of one of his eyes and the fight was stopped because of that after he went down on one knee his eye was just bulging and eventually it swelled bigger and bigger and he just couldn't see out of it but give a lot of credit to Joe Joyce for putting on that performance and Uh, We'll see how Daniel Dubois does here in his comeback fight after, I believe, his first career loss. Hopefully he can win that fight. I'm not really too familiar with his opponent, Dinu, but I'm going to go ahead and pick Dubois to get a knockout in that fight. And then on June 6th, we've got Floyd Mayweather Jr. taking on Logan Paul in a special exhibition fight. This isn't really uh, a boxing match, so I don't know... Exactly what's going to happen here, but I'm not going to pick against Money Mayweather. He's one of the best boxers ever, uh, undefeated, and I think he's just going to mess with Logan Paul in there, get a knockout if he wants, box him uh, all eight rounds if he wants. Floyd Mayweather can really do whatever he likes in that boxing ring, and he's going to get paid millions of dollars for it. So, you know, why not box a YouTube guy and really uh, you know show the boxing world how great he is and then in the co-main event on that fight card we've got Jean Pascal versus Babu Jack 12 rounds for Pascal's WBA regular light heavyweight title I believe this is a rematch and their first fight was very close I think Jean Pascal won perhaps by split decision so we'll see what happens in their rematch but I remember their first fight Being very close and very entertaining. So I'll really be tuning in for that fight. I don't know if I really care to watch the main event. Of course I will. But I'm really looking forward to that co-main event between Pascal and Babu Jack. Hopefully Babu Jack can get the decision here. But it's really hard to pick. And then we got Jared Hurd taking on Luis Arias. And uh, Hurd really needs a win here to get his career back on track. After some tough losses. So we'll see if Hurd can get a win there. Pretty strong fight card coming up June 6th for Miami on Showtime pay-per-view. And then on June 12th, we've got perhaps the best young boxer in the whole sport. In Shakur Stevenson taking on Jeremiah Nakalthea. 12 rounds for the vacant interim junior lightweight title. And I believe it won't be long until Shakur Stevenson is the best uh, boxer in the 130-pound division. He's just got to go out and continue to prove it. Watching this guy box is like watching Art, how fundamentally sound he is, how hard he is to hit, how amazing his defense is for such a young boxer. So whenever Shakur Stevenson is in the ring, you're going to want to tune in because you're watching Art in there. As I said before, just beautiful to watch how he gets in and out of range. But his... Opponent can barely hit him, and I can't wait to see him step up in competition and take on world-class guys like perhaps Oscar Valdez, maybe Jamel Herring, and eventually I think he'll become the undisputed champion at 130 pounds if the other belt holders are willing to step in there and fight this absolutely savant in boxing. And then on June 19th, we've got Nayo Inway versus Michael das marinas 12 rounds for anyways ibf and wba bantamweight titles anyway he is known as the monster because of his aggressive fighting style and his knockout power even though he is of smaller stature he really packs a punch and i believe he's the best fighter in that division so i'll go ahead and pick niowa to win by knockout really the best japanese boxer in the sport today and every time he fights it's very exciting to watch So, I'm really looking forward to June 19th. Also, on June 19th, this is actually a very big weekend, June 19th. Don't forget, we've got Tfimo Lopez Jr. fighting George uh, Cambosos Jr. for Lopez's uh, three lightweight titles. I like Lopez to win this fight, I'll say by knockout. He showed against Lomachenko not only great offense, but also great defense and pretty decent power. He's really big for the division at 135 pounds and if he gets that fight against the winner of the and Haney, then he will become the undisputed champion in that division. I expect him to get through uh, Gombosos Jr. without too much trouble and set up that big unification bout perhaps in his next fight. Lopez Jr., he's one of the best young fighters in the sport and I think he's going to be on the top 10 pound for pound list if he's not already there in the very near future because of what he did against Lomachenko and we'll see how he follows up that amazing performance in his next fight coming up on June 19th also on June 19th on Showtime we've got Jamal Charlo taking on Juan Macias Montiel I'm expecting Jamal Charlo to get a knockout here and continue his upward trajectory hopefully setting up a big uh, fight against Gennady Golovkin. So also on June 19th, wow, what a weekend this is going to be. We've got Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. taking on Anderson Silva, 10 rounds, light heavyweights. Now that's going to be a pretty weird sight to see. If we're talking about the same Anderson Silva, the legendary UFC fighter going in there and doing a boxing match against Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. I'm not really sure what's going to happen there, but I'm definitely going to be tuning in. And then we've also got his father, the legendary Mexican warrior Julio Cesar Chavez Sr. taking on Hector Camacho Jr. Six rounds uh, in a middleweight exhibition. So that should be pretty interesting. A really big weekend coming up June 19th. We've, of course, starting with Nayewa Inoue, Uh, Fighting also T.F.E.M.L. Lopez Jr. fighting, Jamal Charlo fighting, and Julio Cesar Chavez Jr. fighting, and his father fighting in the co-main event. I don't know how I'm going to be tuning into all those fights, probably do a split screen, but I can't wait for that weekend. And also on June 19th, the weekend gets even better. We've also got one of the best young fighters in Jaime Magia taking on... Masio Suleki, 12 rounds in the middleweight division. So that's going to be an amazing night of fights. And I can't wait to tune in. And then coming up the weekend after that, we've got Vasily Lomachenko taking on Masayoshi Nakatani, uh, 12 rounds in the lightweight division. And this is really going to be a tough fight for Lomachenko once again because he's going to be in there against the bigger, taller fighter in Nakatani. And he's really going to have to get on his bike, run around in there, really try to get out of the way of uh, the punches and the on-forward pressure that Nakatani will put on Lomachenko. But I think Lomachenko can get the job done because of his footwork, his defensive instincts, and because he wants to right the wrong after losing to Teofimo Lopez Jr. And I think he's able going to be able to get past Mayoshi Nakatani, I'll say by unanimous decision, and this is going to be a huge fight for both fighters. Lomachenko is really taking a lot of risk, stepping in there against the bigger and taller uh, May- Mayoshi uh, Masayoshi Nakatani, excuse me, and in Nakatani's last fight, he knocked out Felix Verdejo uh, in the ninth round. But previous to that, he fought T. Filmo Lopez Jr. and lost to him by unanimous decision. And in the fight against Felix Verdejo, early on Nakatani was losing the fight. But he came on strong in the end behind his jab and was able to get a late knockout. And that really set up this big fight against Vasiliy Lomachenko. I could see Lomachenko losing, but I don't think he will. I think he'll come out strong in that fight. And Hopefully get a decision win over Nakatani. But let's speak a little about uh, Nakatani's previous opponent in Felix Verdejo. Unfortunately, this has nothing to do with boxing and has to do with real life and with murder. I don't know if you've been reading up on the charges against Felix Verdejo, but apparently he was trying to dodge the police because he drowned his pregnant mistress And also shot her. Just really disturbing details when I read about this case. And I just feel really bad for Felix Verdejo. And of course terrible for the woman that he murdered. I mean no one deserves to be murdered. And in such a violent and visceral way to drown someone that's pregnant. Just makes it even worse. I get it that he was having an affair. And he didn't want his family to find out. But now his whole life has been turned upside down. He could spend the rest of his life in jail. His boxing career is now over. And unfortunately for Felix Verdejo, he just fell down the wrong path. And I pray for him. I pray for his family. Even though he committed this crime, I still think there's some good in him. And he just uh, did a terrible mistake, a terrible murder. And I just pray for all those involved that they can heal from this. And for Felix Verdejo, it's too bad we're not going to see him box again. But these are the consequences when you do such an egregious act. And I completely stand against violence against women. I would never hit a woman myself. And to murder someone, I just could never imagine reaching that level of hatred or anger, whatever it was in his heart that made him do this. I pray for Felix Verdejo, and hopefully he doesn't commit suicide or anything. And Verdejo is 28 years old, the same age as myself, and I could never imagine doing that to someone. And for someone of the same age with a very promising boxing career to throw it all away and murder someone just doesn't make sense to me. So hopefully mentally he's okay. And hopefully his family can recover from this and move forward together. Then also on June 26 we've got Mario Barrios taking on Gervonta Davis. 12 rounds for Barrios' WBA regular junior welterweight title. So that's two pretty big fights with Lomachenko and Gervonta Davis both fighting on the same night. Looking forward to that weekend. I expect Gervonta Davis to get another knockout and continue on. And maybe uh, challenge, perhaps Ryan Garcia next, or maybe Devin Haney. We'll see what happens there. And speaking of the junior lightweight division, at 130 pounds, right now the WBO champions, Jamel Herring, uh, IBF is vacant, WBA champion is Gervonta Davis, and WBC is Oscar Valdez. Speaking of Oscar Valdez, he really had his career best performance when he took on Miguel Burchelt. He won as an underdog in that fight, definitely one of the fights of the year. And the key to that win was the straight right from Valdez and then uh, his looping left hook that really Miguel Burchelt could never get the timing down. And that's why he ended up getting stopped, I believe, in the 10th round of that fight. Uh, That's my second contender for fight of the year, along with Joe Smith Jr. versus uh, Maxine Vlasov. That fight between Oscar Valdez and Miguel Burchelt lived up to the hype. It was, I believe, between two Mexican warriors and Valdez. Perhaps he takes on Gervonta Davis next. And the one guy that right now does not hold a title in that division is the amazing Shakur Stevenson. And eventually down the line, we could see Shakur Stevenson taking on Gervonta Davis. I think that would be a super fight in the uh, 130-pound division. But I don't think it'll be long before Gervonta Davis moves up to under 35 pounds and challenges the likes of Teofimo Lopez Jr. So a lot of exciting fights to make in those two divisions. And then in the featherweight division, we've got Emmanuel Navrete, who fought recently as the WBO champion. And he fought Christopher Diaz, won by 12th round knockout back on April 24th of 2021. This was really an exciting fight. And for me, even though Christopher Diaz lost, he still made a very good account of himself against the much taller and longer Navarrete. And for me, Navarrete got hit way too much in this fight and showed a lot of defensive inefficiencies in there that a better fighter could take advantage of. But because of the height and reach of Navarrete at such a low weight class, he usually has a physical advantage over most of his opponent's but I think Navrete can really learn from this win and get better from it. And for Christopher Diaz, I think uh this really helped him set himself up for bigger fights in the future because he could sh- he showed he could hang with a champion like Navarrete and not get overpowered in there early on in the fight. And the featherweight division at 126 pounds has some other very exciting champions in Leo Santa Cruz, who we saw previously get knocked out spectacularly by Gervonta Davis and Gary Russell Jr. So maybe you have Emmanuel Navarrete fight Santa Cruz or Gary Russell Jr. And unfortunately, Gary Russell Jr. is someone we don't get to see box very often, but he has some of the fastest hands in the sport. And whenever he fights, it's definitely must-watch TV. Unfortunately, he doesn't have his next fight scheduled. Maybe he'd be willing in there to step in against Navarrete And then in the junior featherweight division, there was actually a pretty big fight that happened, I believe, a few weeks ago between Brandon Figueroa and uh, Luis Neri. Brandon Figueroa actually got the upset win over Luis Neri with a beautiful body shot right to the solar plexus that ended up ending the fight. Luis Neri tried to get on the inside and really make it an all-action fight. It was a very exciting fight to watch, but I thought that Figueroa... Uh, because of his height and his reach, Woods really able to time Neri uh, as the fight wore on early on. Neri looked like he was going to win the fight. But uh, later on into the rounds, Figaro started finding his timing more and more, landing more straight rights and keeping Neri more on the outside. And Neri as the naturally shorter fighter with shorter arms, he wants to make it a phone booth fight because when you have short arms, you can reach the target quicker Figueroa did a beautiful uh, job of timing it, and now it looks like the next fight we're going to have is Figueroa uh, taking on Stefan Fulton, and that'll be a really big fight at 122 pounds. Right now, I can't pick a winner, but uh, looking forward to that. And the other champion is Murojan Akhmel I'm not too familiar with him, but I'm looking forward to uh, Figueroa taking on Stefan Fulton Jr., and then at bantamweight, 118 pounds, the two-belt champion is Niowa Inouye, and he'll be taking on Michael uh, Das Marinas in his next fight. If he gets through that, maybe he can further unify the division, as uh, the other two champions are John Rayl Casemiro and Nordin Ubali. But I believe Inouye is no doubt the best fighter in the 118-pound division and one of the best boxers top 10 pound for pound in the whole sport. And then junior bantamweight at 115 pounds is very exciting as well. Uh, The two stars of that division are Juan Francisco Estrada, the WBC champion, and Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, the WBA champion. They recently had a fight that Estrada won, I believe by decision, but it was a very close fight and they perhaps could rematch for a third time and the other two champions are Kazuto Ioka and Herwin Ancas. So maybe you have Juan Francisco Estrada take on uh, one of those belt holders. So Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez and Juan Francisco Estrada met on March 13th of 2021. And it was really one of the best fights thus far this year. And uh, Estrada won by split decision and hopefully they fight a third time because it's one of the best matchups in all of boxing. And don't forget about Sirikasite Sor Rangvisai, who previously uh, lost to Juan Francisco Estrada by unanimous decision. Maybe they could meet up uh, in a third fight because uh, Rangvisai won their first fight by a majority decision. So I think a third fight between Estrada and Rangvisai is definitely something that could be on the table. Well, that will conclude episode number 28 of Combat Bets on the Believe Network, sponsored by betonline.ag. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, tune in this weekend for Devin Haney versus Jorge Linares. And also, Nonito Donaire will be in action, one of the most exciting action fighters in all of boxing. Remember, Kobe forever, Mamba forever. Algin Baylor forever, Hank Aaron forever, and Diego Maradona forever. Hopefully everyone's getting vaccinated, but continue to social distance and wear your masks and have a great weekend. Thank you.